Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. God has been good. I, I, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna take you down a little journey here, looking back at uh, 20 years. Kathy and I have attended this church, hard to believe, for 27 years. Well, I, yeah, 27 years. Well, it'll be 27 years later this year, I believe, and uh, almost half my life. Well, it's yeah, almost half my life. And uh, I was going to say it's about, you know, two times or whatever, but anyway, I'm not good at math. Half my life. Uh, I can't believe it, but we, we became the pastors 20 years ago. Uh, my predecessor, some of you will remember, few of you will remember Pastor J. Albert Calloway. And uh, he, he became the pastor of this church. At the time, it was an Assembly of God church, and they were going to close it down. Uh, it was known as a preacher-killing church. I, from what I understand, no, no pastor had ever left on his own accord. It was either, it was either voted out or there was some, some controversy. People had to be, you know, uh, uh, moral failures and stuff like that. And uh, so they were going to close it down. And instead, they called J. Albert Calloway. And he took the church. Now, Pastor Calloway was not a revival guy. Okay, because I, uh, I tried. He, he asked Kathy and I to come back in 1995. We had just lost our son a few years, about six to eight months earlier. And so we were, we were in a situation where our hearts uh, were still broken. But right after we lost our son, I heard about this move of God down in Florida, Pensacola, Florida, called Brownsville. And uh, they, they was not too far from our in-laws, so Kathy and I loaded up the babies, went and saw her mom and dad, and then we snuck down to Brownsville. And uh, we got rocked. And I saw what my heart was longing for. And so I was ruined forever. Now, some people experience revival, and they check it off their list and say, Ben, they're done that. And then there's others like you and me who I could never go back. And so, uh, but Pastor Calloway wasn't sent here for that. He was sent here to clean up the church. And he was a stubborn guy. He had, he had rhino skin. I mean, he, he almost enjoyed conflict if you knew him. I'm serious. He could tell someone off in the lobby and he'd say, I'm more anointed when I get in the pulpit. And uh, he was just that way. But what he gave us was a solid church, and he was a colorful fellow. So in late December of that, the, the year before we became the pastor, it's been 2001, he got up and he said, this is how he announced his retirement. You gotta know when to hold them, and you gotta know when to fold them. And as of such and such date, I'm no longer the pastor. And he came to me privately and he said, Dave, you're the one to follow me. Now, Kathy and I had been 14 years at Teen Challenge, and uh, it was a huge step for us because we... We loved our little trailer home, and uh, I loved working for Teen Challenge. Roger McKim is a product of those times. Roger, it's one of the joys of my life to run with you. 
So I committed to a three-day fast. I went to my mom and dad's, and I said, I'm going to fast for three days to get the mind of the Lord. And wouldn't you know, after the first day, I knew, but I was still committed for two more. Man, I was like bummed. I should have committed till I heard, you know. But I knew I was supposed to throw my name in the hat. And Kathy and I will never, we've talked about it many times. Those of you who are still here, uh, those of you who are still around, the night we were voted in, our little church on the other side of town, and, and uh, it was surreal. And uh, our lives changed. What God's done, nobody can take credit for. Because really what happened, we got pulled into a vortex of God's desire. God longed to establish something in this region. When Pastor Calloway was still here, I was, he, he had asked us, he said, Dave and Kathy, would you come and lead prayer on Sunday mornings? And we said, sure. So we'd load up our babies. All our kids were tiny little babies and all five of them. And uh, we, we'd drive over on Sunday morning and we were meeting in the high school for a short amount of time and we would pray behind the curtain at the high school and cry out to God for him to bless the service. And again and again, I would find myself praying this. We'd be crying out, it was my family and Kay Marlow, and uh, a faithful intercessor in this house. And let me just say, there's, there's a group of people that kept this place open. Some really faithful people. All those years, Bill Culver, who's probably the oldest member here, Bill, uh, Jerry and Kay and Marge Cox. Jack has gone on to be with the Lord. Many of them have gone on to be with the Lord. But they were faithful and kept this place open. And then, uh, but we'd be praying behind that curtain and I would find myself, my heart kept getting pulled in this direction. I'd say, God, raise up a church in this region. Send a man or a woman that will allow you to move. And then I'd catch myself and I thought, that could be kind of offensive to our pastor. And again, that's not a criticism of him. I believe he did what he was called to do here. But there was something in my heart. And so when Pastor Calloway said he's leaving and he came to me, I felt like the Lord was challenging me to say, will you become that man? And really, we, pulled, we stepped into a vortex of God's desire. God longed to establish something here where people can come in and experience God. And so as soon as I got here, we started praying, and then we started fasting, and uh, God just took over. It was, it was an amazing, those, those of you that were here, sometimes I still, long to go lay on that ratty carpet up in that little old building. Hopefully they've replaced it by now. <laughs> But man, God would show up in that building. I'll never forget the night that that glory cloud came in on a Saturday night. And this church has never been the same. Something happened. I remember John Lemmox calling me from his office. Here he is at Principal Financial in his suit and tie. He's under his desk weeping. And he's saying, Pastor... I don't know what to do. He's just aching. for. He was so gripped with intercession and just weeping under his desk. It's hard to get away with that in corporate America. But there was this, this holy gripping. We had caught the heart of God. And God began to move. A year after 
we became the pastor. God provided the money. We bought 22 acres up here and then built this building. And when we moved in in 2005, it was, it was like we hit this pocket of healing. It was amazing. You know, the first time we ever hit 400 in attendance, the very next week we hit 500. It was insane. All the systems broke, but it was sure fun. And there were healings happening every service for about nine months. It was amazing. We've seen wave after wave of God come through here. We've seen battle after battle, but we've seen wave after wave. God just coming and visiting. I, I don't know where, you, where they got the picture of Renee. Did you see that picture of her running around? Oh, my goodness. What a try. I, wanna, I want that. Amazing. That crazy picture of me being carried around the sanctuary? You want to talk about a wild service? That'll clear out anybody that has any reservations about the Spirit, I'm telling you. When they finally let me down and I'm just, I'm, I'm snotting and bawling and up the aisle came this young Baptist kid, this young Baptist, I say kid, he was about 30 years old. And I grabbed him and I said, are you okay? He said, this is what we've looked for our whole life. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's usually, it's usually not those who have ex, uh, not experienced, it's usually not the unbeliever who rejects the Spirit of God. It's those of us who have, and then God shows up in a new way. Amen. And that's a cautionary word for the rest of us. Man, we need to be flexible and say, God, any way you want to show up, you are Lord. Yes. And we're ready to go with it. And so God visited it again and again and again. As I was thinking this week, Look with me at Genesis 28. Well, let me, ju let me just comment on Genesis 28. Let's do that because we've got some limited time here this morning. Well, let's turn to it. <laughs> when has that ever kept me from it, right? Genesis 28. Very early on, the Lord dealt with me that he was looking to establish a Genesis 28 church. We won't get into all of it. Let's look at verse 10. Preceding that, uh, Isaac tells Jacob, listen, you need, to, you need to hit the road and get yourself a wife. And I don't want you marrying a Canaanite girl. I want you to go get a, 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 a bride from among our family, your mother's family. And so he sends him. And it's a good thing he did because Esau, who was a skilled hunter, was hunting for him. And he was going to drop him like a deer in the woods. He was very bitter with his brother. And so look at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set upon the earth and on the top of it reached into heaven. What he was seeing is a place that was a connecting place of heaven and earth. He found a place where heaven was, had, a, had an opening, an access to earth. And that's what God looks to establish in any region. He needs a place where there's access. We know from the New Testament there are principalities and power that 
reside in the heavenly realms and they try to establish their presence and disrupt God's purposes. And God doesn't just sovereignly deal with them. He deals with them through his church. He's given you and I the authority. And it's through prayer and through worship that God clears the heavens. I so appreciated what Dean Briggs said a couple of weeks ago when he got up his first comments were on Psalm 149. It's, I love that passage. He, he talks about that the, uh, the children of God, he said, it's, this is the glory of all the saints. And what he's referring to is the high praise of God being our mouth and a double-edged sword in our hands. In other words, worship and the word. And he said, they will bind the kings with fetters. They will bind the rulers. And then he says, to carry out the sentence written against them. We do that with worship and the word. And Dean was talking about something he sensed in the air. And after the service, he told me, he said, he said, Pastor Dave, you need to understand, there, there are things I talked about in this church I don't talk about in every church. I don't feel like they're going to be received, he said, but there's something about this church that can receive those things. And he was talking about high praise being a way that we we bind the enemy and we can release declarations, the word of the Lord, in those moments. And in private, he began to share some other things. And I was, I was really amazed by how many prophetic words over this house he began to touch upon. So I took him out to Outback. Everybody say amen. amen. And uh, took him out to Outback after service. And uh, we were sitting there eating and I started to talk about, I said, I need to share some things with you. And I talked, and I'd stop, because I thought I'm talking too much, and he would lean his head back and just close. I'd say, keep talking, this so ministers to me. And I told him the prophetic history of Heartland and what God is establishing here. And what the Lord is looking to establish is a place of an open heaven. Yes. A place where there's air supremacy and the enemy's been crippled. Yes. He told me right after service, we came down here and he said, he said, this church can receive resources for the region that other churches can't touch. Amen. Now let me safeguard that comment. That is not an, that's not some arrogant uh, statement. Every church has its purpose. We're all important, every church. But we're, we're firm believers around here, not just in individual callings, but in corporate callings. Not every church is created equal. Not every church is, is uh, called to the same things. But that is our role. That's our special sauce, Heartland family. To forge a Bethel that God can re drop resources into a region. And I told him about the prophetic word, probably to me, the primary, probably the uh, uh, definitive prophetic word that we've ever received as a church was from Bob Phillips the first time he came. He was still pastoring in Houston. And we were sitting at, uh, what was it, uh, another great restaurant. I was going to say it and you could say amen again. But anyway, we were, uh, we were sitting over a meal and I started telling him what the Lord was speaking to me about. And he said, Dave... He said, stop. He said, I don't need to be rude, uh, but he said, I, don't, I can see where you're going and I don't want you to say any more until I share with you what the Lord has shown me about this church. It's because I don't want you to think when I release it on Sunday that I did so because of what you told me. 
And he began to unpack some things about this church. And then that Saturday night, he released this word. And what he said, the Lord showed him very clearly, is that Heartland is a DZ. It's a military term for drop zone. It's a place where air supremacy has been secured, where the, the land below it has been secured. There's been created a perimeter so that what's dropped in in the form of resources and the the wounded that are flown out will always be protected. And he said, this is a drop zone in the spirit. And he said this, he said, many of you have been through individual battles and you've wondered, why am I going through this? I don't understand the battle. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. There was confusion, but you held the line. You kept pressing into the Lord. You didn't blame God for your circumstances. You kept your praise on. He didn't say it that way, but he kept your praise on. And he said, then as a church, he said, you've been through many battles. There's been many skirmishes. He said, but you need to realize you're far beyond where you started. There's been a lot of ground taken. He said, there's going to be more battles. And I thought, oh, no. He said, there's going to be more. He said, but you need to understand the church is far beyond where it was. And God in his grace has been leading us on. What we just did for 45 minutes in worship is crucial. This is not just a, we're not priming the pump for the preaching of the word. This is our calling. This is one of the primary things that we're called to. Because in the midst of that, we can catch the word of the Lord. And there becomes an opening and we can release the word of the Lord. And we go from petition to proclamation. We're legislating from the throne the word of the Lord. And we're shaping history during worship. And so Dean was alluding to these prophetic words. There's a number of things he was picking up on in the air that the Lord has spoken to us. Now listen to what it says here in Genesis 28. The middle of, well, let's, let's read verse 12 again. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from this, his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. That term is used four times, this place. And it means a very specific location of great significance. It was the place assigned by God. Jacob didn't know, just like us. Jacob stepped into some, onto some ground that had already been sanctified. You see, Jacob in his journey of running from his brother and carrying out his father's wishes, stumbled onto a place and became weary at a point in a journey, laid down, put a rock under his head, and took a nap. What he didn't realize is his grandfather had come through there and twice built altars to the Lord. 
He stepped into an environment prepared by his forefathers. It goes to what Hoel was saying this morning. See, we paved the way for the next generation. We want to prepare something that they can stumble into. I've been overwhelmed lately in our morning prayer meetings, and I'll walk the aisles, and I'm just so struck by all the gray heads bowed over in prayer. I'm the gray head walking around. But it so blesses my heart that all these intercessors have stepped into the gap because it's up to us to pave the way for the others. We're at a season of life where often our schedule more affords that. But we also have perspective on life, the wisdom of a life somewhat lived, and we realize what really matters. We're not in the busyness of raising little babies and having them bite our ankles. You know, we're, we, uh, we're at that time where we can give ourselves more to these things, and it's incumbent upon us. And Jacob stumbled into an environment that was prepared by his forefathers. And he didn't even realize it until he had an encounter with God. God stood at the top of that ladder and began to speak his destiny. That is one of the primary purposes of this place. If you look at our mission statement, it says, we are a multi-generational family, pulling as many people as possible into an encounter with God that they can understand who they are and be launched into his purposes. You see, in a Bethel, under an open heaven, people begin to understand who they are because God begins to speak to them, either through the people that live there, through prophetic words, through the word. The word comes open in an open heaven. People tell me all the time how easy it is to preach in this church. And I know that. I sound better here. <laughs> I've gone to some hard places. I'd rather be here. Makes a preacher look good. Because you're, you're pulling from an open heaven. There's revelation. There's angelic activities. The angels ascend and descend. And so Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid. And he said, How awesome is this place a fifth time. There is none, this is none other. And I love how he frames this. He gives it two titles. One from the perspective of earth and other from the perspective of heaven. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. It's the house of God. It's a place where God can dwell unhindered. Where God can reside and the hunger of the people entertain the presence. God will not remain in a place where he is not the guest of honor. He's too worthy. It would be a lack of integrity for God to remain where he is not the supreme guest. He would be untrue to himself if he was willing to take the back seat and be left in the corner and still stay. His glory is other than we can understand. One of the meanings of the word holiness is not just that it's pure. It means that it's wholly other. It's so completely different than us. We don't have a grid work to understand. And the closer we get to him, it strikes us again and again how different he is. And so, having been pulled into that vortex of God's desire and God imparting his hunger to us 
and we release it back to him. Deep calls unto deep. The water spouts begin to rise. I don't know if you've ever seen water spouts, but there's like a, a cyclone or a tornado of water comes out of the water and then it comes out of the clouds and it's like it's reaching up and it's reaching down. It's deep calling unto deep. Creates that vortex. God has graced us with hunger for him and we can never take credit for that. But it is our role, no, make, make no mistakes about it. We do have a responsibility for this nation and for this region. I wanna read a, something the Lord spoke to me back in 2014. Christopher and I, my, my little bald-headed brother. We used to come up on on Monday nights, we both had the day off that day. And we'd come up and wait on the Lord and sometimes people would join us. We'd be in Laura's office and then sometimes we'd make it in here. Sometimes the glory would fall. Sometimes Andre would come up. That was always fun. And, uh, the, and other times it was just a boring prayer meeting. But we would show up and just wait on the Lord. And Bob Hazlett had been here a few months earlier when Christopher spoke something to me. Bob was equipping, you know, uh, activating the prophetic. Bob's a prophet and a, a very strong equipping prophet. And so one of the exercises he did in one of the day sessions was said, okay, he taught on the prophetic and he said, okay, now we're going to activate it. I want you to ask the Lord who somebody, you know, how does he see somebody in the room? And later on, you're going to go share that with them. So people did that. It was really neat and people were really blessed wasn't until a few days later, Christopher called me and he said, hey, you know when Bob said that? I said, yeah. And he said, I asked the Lord about you. And he said, I want to share with you what he said. And when he told me, it broke me. Because there were intimate things about my heart between me and the Lord that he addressed. And the Lord highlighted them and it meant something to him. And I was really stunned that those little weak expressions meant something to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, I'm not unique. That's true for all of us. But it's so ministered to my heart, and I still rehearse that, what Christopher said, because those things shape our identity and bring us into the pleasure of God. It's not that... God isn't pleased, it's we need to get our head in the game so we can receive his pleasure. And that was a help for me to do so. And so one night we were meeting in the back, the office back there, and we were just having a good old time. And we came out here, we thought, let's go in the sanctuary. So we're all praying for each other. And I believe Andre was here that night, and we just had a Holy Ghost time. And Christopher laid hands on me, he said, hey, Remember how I told you what the Lord saw, said about you? I said, yeah. He said, the Lord just told me he's going to show you what he looks, how he sees Heartland. And my heart leapt. It awakened. I thought, yes, I want to see that. And so I began to pray into that for several weeks, several weeks, several weeks. I don't remember how long, but one, another night, we're back in that office there on a Monday night, and the Spirit of God fell. And Andre was there that night, I remember. And uh, man, we just... We had church, and all of a sudden, I went into this vision, and I was overwhelmed, and uh, I began to type 
at what the Lord was showing me immediately, and I want to read it to you. It was on August 9th of 2014. This is what he told me. There is a dome, a large, expansive opening over Heartland. It is a clear place in the spirit. The enemy is not able to operate in that airspace like he usually is. It is a no-fly zone enforced by heaven's host. But like Jacob at Bethel, this is a cautionary word, but like Jacob at Bethel, we are in danger of not being aware of it. If we aren't aware, we will miss the benefit, fail to leverage the liberty to declare and rule with him. When we are aware, we act differently. We confidently and boldly declare and demand, call and rebuke. When we perceive, we cooperate, and it is on earth through our response like it is on heaven through his initiation. And then he told me this, the secret of this house called Heartland has been the desperate hunger resulting in extravagant worship and intense intercession in fasting. It is our special sauce. Breakthrough, establishing Bethels through hunger, worship, intercession, and fasting, and prophetic intercessory worship. The resolve he placed within us by grace, that hunger and commitment that is willing to lose all, reputation, land, finance, relationships, is the key. It is our special sauce, our special grace to export to the nations. This is breakthrough to the nations. And there was more to it, but I'll just stop there this morning. But we need to understand what the Lord is establishing here. It just may be that God established this church 57 years ago, because it was established the year I was born, 56 years ago. I'm still 56 for another month. Uh, it just may be that the Lord established this church for this hour in human history. All the rest is gravy. All the rest was just side benefits and hors d'oeuvres. But I really believe the purpose of this house, we're entering into it right now. We are in an unprecedented hour. There's two books that have rocked my life more than any other when it comes to biographies. One is The Secrets of the Argentine Revival, which hold the keys for national breakthrough. The other is Rees Hall Intercessor, which holds the keys for international breakthrough. And Rees Hall and his prayer group literally shifted the war effort of the Allied forces. There were seven times that, a it's either six or seven, a tremendous travailing burden came over that group of people. And they would weep and cry and travail for hours and hours, sometimes days, and suddenly it would lift. And then over the next few days, it would find out, they'd get word, that some mysterious circumstances turned Hitler and his forces back. War analysts evaluated Hitler's strategy after the war. And they determined that he made six key mistakes 
And wouldn't you know it, those six key mistakes coincided with those seasons of intercession. The church really is called to rule the world through fasting and prayer. We're called to write history in advance through the prophetic and then enforce it through prayer. And I believe that in the coming days, God's going to release a greater anointing for prophetic intercessory worship. Where he's going to shape history through what he does here. When Bob Phillips gave us that word, I remember on a Sunday morning. So it must have been Sunday morning because I remember afterwards we were standing right here talking. And I remember feeling like I was just in a tornado. Like my hair's all messed up. My shirt's half ripped. Because of the activity in the room. And he said, Dave, he said, get ready. He said, you're going to make declarations out of this house. There's going to be declarations during worship that you'll read about the fulfillment of them in, in the newspapers soon afterwards. And then he told me this. He said, it's going to be too wild for some. It's going to be too much for some people to endure. God is looking to harvest a group of people who will stay the course. And the fact is, that's why some of you have gone through the things in secret. Battles and struggles that no one else knew about. And you were so puzzled. And you questioned, Lord, I'm living for you. Why am I going through this? But the Lord needed somebody's, somebody who had been tested and tried and would stand their ground. Because in the coming days... What's coming to planet earth. He has to have those outposts. Where people will stand and pray this thing through. I don't know what the future holds. But I do know this. It's going to be the best of times. And it's going to be the worst of times. At least for a season. I really believe that. Now I know that's a bummer place to land. I won't land there. But God's given us grace to press this thing through. One other thing, uh, there, there was a number of things uh, we, we go through in the Heartland culture class, uh, different, the prophetic history of Heartland, the different initiatives we've la launched. Uh, some may think we're imbalanced, who knows? I just don't know how to pastor without the prophetic. I don't want an Ishmael. I only want to launch something if God makes it abundantly clear he's in it. Amen? And so that means we wait on the word of the Lord. While we were still an assembly, affiliated with the Assemblies of God, I, I had been a presbyter and I stepped down. I just didn't feel like I was the best fit for that, for the, the work. Uh, we were in the middle of a building program and all that. So I stepped down and Bob, Bob Hazlett came not soon after that. Or not, not yeah, not, not long after that. And uh, he was preaching and you know how Bob does and he'll just start prophesying. And he, walked, he was preaching, got down on the floor and he looked at me and he said, Dave, I see them looking for a covering. He said, there, there's churches that are looking for a covenant, covering. He said, I see Kansas City. I see the Chicago area. And he named some different places, and those two I remember. And he said, he said, they're looking for a covering. And as soon as he said it, I went into a vision, and I hit the floor. Boom. <laughs> and when I was on the floor, I saw these letters suspended in air. They were liquid gold. 
and they were on fire and they were alive. They were moving. And it said this, the Heartland Alliance. And I knew in my spirit, I knew immediately it was a play on words. It was an alliance of ministries Heartland would start, but it was also an alliance for the Heartland of America. And we had heard from the Lord about launching uh, just a, a relational network contending for revival. There was a lot of stories around that. I won't get into it. But when it all culminated in the move of God in 08, I felt like, okay, it served its purpose. I don't want to have an organization around longer than it needs to be. So we just kind of shot it in the head and it died. It was, we called it MERN, Midwest Revival Network. And we had some, some wonderful moves of God with that, but we just put it to rest. And the Lord was very clear to me that we needed to resurrect that. And so, it's so, uh, so when we withdrew our affiliation from the assemblies, then we needed a credentialing for your pastor. I didn't want to bootleg the gospel, you know. I wanted to, wanted to be legit. And so we, we, uh, we were able to credential a number of our pastors. We, we've credentialed a, a number of ministers around the, around the region, uh, some in Illinois, uh, in Kansas, most in Iowa. And uh, there's... Uh, a lot of traveling ministries, some churches, and so uh, we have regional gatherings. Bring in, and whenever we bring in a speaker, we try to have a gathering so that these churches that maybe wouldn't have an, an ability to be uh, avail themselves to these ministries like Paul Yadow and Leif Hetland and Bob Hazlett and you know all the others, uh, we have these gatherings and just let them get blasted by the Spirit of God, and we have a good time, and uh, it's been a real blessing. But we also are able to credential those who need a credential and give them a covering. And so this morning, we're going to be credentialing some people. Laura, how, how, many, how many credentialed ministers do we have now? Do you have any idea? Ballpark? 30? Okay. So I guess about 30. And uh, so... The director of the Heartland Alliance is John Lemmix. So I'm going to invite him to come up this morning. And uh, I want to tell you something. This church would not be where it is without this couple. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That story of John Lemmix underneath his desk in his suit and tie is just one little snapshot of the nature of this man. I want to honor someone else too. Larry and Laura, would you guys stand up? Yeah. yeah. Some of you don't know Larry and Laura. That is Drew Ann Gotti's mom and pop and his wonderful sister Amy and her husband sitting next to him. She, they grew up uh, in this, Amy grew up, Larry and Laura didn't grow up here. But uh, Larry was on the board when I became the pastor. He and Laura were key members of this church. I want to tell you, God used Larry at some key junctures in this church. You know, you know it's never, it's never uh, failed to amaze me, Larry, how at key moments, it's like you were a pivot. You were like a hinge for this church. And it's because of who you are if you said it, people would believe it. Because they know you weren't going to do those things loosely. And uh, I love you and I appreciate all you guys did. And uh, let me brag on one more other thing. We would have never been able to purchase this original, build this original building without Larry. 
Larry leveraged his reputation in business and kind of bent the arm of the bank and said, hey, you want to do business with our company, which had well over $100 million uh, out with that bank? He said, we can find another bank. They said, you know what? Suddenly we feel led to work with your church. <laughs> and uh, so, hallelujah. So God bless you guys. And there's, there's many others. I don't want to overlook anybody, but it's sweet. We have a very rare opportunity to honor them. So we love you guys. All right. We're going to... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call up the credential candidates, and I'm going to invite their spouses, if they're not being credentialed with them, to come up with them and stand behind them. And we want to pray over them. You're going to join us. Pastor Drew Angotti. Is your wife serving upstairs? She's upstairs. Yeah, his, She's teaching the kids. his wife's on duty, so that's a, that's a good wife. Hallelujah. Mark and Melissa Dahl. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I love this couple. Larry and Cheryl Schroeder. And let me state that Mark and Melissa have a traveling ministry. They, there's a lot they do. Many of you know that. But they, they run Honeybee Ministries. And Larry and Cheryl uh, do pulpit fill-ins. And uh, they're also school teachers at a Christian school. And uh, just, yeah. And have made a big impact on a lot of people in this congregation. Cinda Scott. Hallelujah. Marv and Cinda do pulpit fill-in as well as they have a ministry in nursing homes. Uh, Marv has stepped in as an interim pastor. Marv's already credentialed with us, so we're not going to give him another piece of paper, but he's going to stand with his wife as she receives him this morning. And uh, isn't it wonderful to see Marv here? Yeah. Yeah. Could have been a different story. DJ Steen. Yeah, hallelujah. DJ and Nicole pastor a church. What, what town are you in? Ackley. Ackley. And, uh, I've been telling people about you, and I keep forgetting the town. So Ackley, and uh, DJ and Nicole and I have a long history. Uh, many of you know Derek Steen. This is his big brother. So he and I both can say our little bald-headed brother. So... Uh, and they're a wonderful couple. Yeah, isn't that awesome? It, uh, I, I hang that over him often. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. What's that? Oh, I'm sorry, Jennifer. I'm, I, somehow I ran right over you. Thank God. Jennifer. Jennifer Roush. Hallelujah. You were supposed to be up here long before this. I'm sorry. Yeah, and Troy and Jennifer were a part of our church for many years, and uh, of course, Jennifer runs 
uh, the, the, help me out here, the name of Speravita. And it's a, a very unique pro-life ministry that it, it's not a, a, a life clinic, but they equip clinics uh, to up their effectiveness. And it's really taken on, you know, just like wildfire. And it's, it's an amazing thing. So, uh, and for many years, uh, Jennifer was our women's director, twice for many, many years. So, hallelujah. I want, to, I want you to extend your right hand right now. Father, Lord, we thank you for these couples. Lord, these individuals. Lord, we thank you for calling them. Scripture says, how can they believe lest they hear? And how can they hear lest someone is sent? Lord, I thank you for laying your hand upon these. And Lord, right now we ask for fresh impartation. In Jesus' name. Fresh impartation. Lord, we ask, God, that everything we've broke into in this house would come upon them, Lord. Lord, like Jacob, they could step into something Abraham opened up. In Jesus' name, I ask for wisdom and anointing, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for Drew, Lord. Fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. Drew, I, I just really feel like, I, I saw like a reservoir of oil, and it's, about, it's like your, your wine skin. I saw like a wine skin in your belly, and the Lord's going to increase your capacity to carry oil. There's an increase coming, and you're going to be able to carry it well. And, and the Lord wants you to know the faithfulness of your life has brought you to the point where you've been faithful with little, God's going to give you more. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, for fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Lord, I ask for signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Lord, I thank you for opening his ears. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for fresh oil. Fresh oil. Lord, I thank you for this Holy Ghost couple. Hallelujah. I just, as soon as I grabbed your hands, it's like, you, you guys are a perfect picture of that Jacob thing. There's, there's a heritage, Melissa, I met your mama this morning, and I know a little bit about your family, and there's a heritage that they created that you've been able to step into, and you've stewarded it well. You, you weren't content to just receive and sit. You're taking, you're going from glory to glory, and you've passed that on to your children. I love your kids. You guys have done so well. Lord, I thank you for that inheritance. Now, Lord, it's time for the bread to come back on the waters. More. More, Lord. More. More. Father, I thank you for Larry and Cheryl, Lord. God, for their faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for their pastor's heart, their, attentive, their attentiveness to others' needs. Lord, their care for others. Lord, I thank you for their surrender. Hallelujah.
And I just, I, even as I grab your hand, I could feel your heart cry. There's been a cry in your heart to be used at a greater degree. And there's like a, a hunger for the supernatural. Mm. There's, there's like this hunger. Roger McKim, come up here. There's a, there, there's a hunger for the supernatural that's come. And I'm telling you, you keep pulling on heaven because it's just a matter of time. It's not that the Lord has said no. Your hunger is creating an ability to steward what you've been longing for. Get behind these guys, Roger. Shoo, ho, ho, shoo, ho, shoo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. More, Lord. More, 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 more. Receive. Shoo, ho. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for Larry. Father, I thank you for the pastoral anointing. Now, Lord, I'm asking God, I feel like the Lord wants to open the word to you afresh. Lord, I ask God that an increase in that teaching anointing. Lord, that that natural ability and that supernatural ability you've put on him, Lord, it would increase in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for Cinda. I met Cinda and Marv back in 1988. And if you guys remember that, in a little room down in Mitchellville. Father, I thank you for this couple. Lord, I thank you for Cinda. Cinda, I just felt like the Lord said, you're bigger than you think. You are bigger than you think. You're bigger on the outside than you are on the inside. Oh, yeah. I saw you walking and you left big footprints, deep impressions in the earth. That's true of your history, but it's even more true of your destiny. Lord, I thank you. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. More, Lord. More. More. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for Jennifer. Come over here, Roger. Thank you, Lord. Jennifer, I've often, I've often described you to, to people. There's a, there's a nobility and an elegance about you in the spirit, the way you carry yourself. And it, it is it's this godly anointing. It's like this ambassadorial anointing that you can go into different places and represent him well. There's a grace on your life. Lord, I thank you for that. I just saw the Lord, it's, it's, it's like this big knife and he cut something in front of you. He's cutting away for you. It's like there's been resistance that's going to give way in this hour. More Lord, more. More, Lord, I thank you. Father, we thank you for Troy. Lord, for Marv. Lord, fresh anointing. Lord, we thank you, God. We know that these couples are one. They're one. They're one. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you once more. The pump gets primed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just, just pray for these guys right now. Father, I'm asking for great wisdom, Lord, discernment, Lord, a decisiveness, Lord. When I say that, DJ, it's not a decisiveness 
in the sense that you've been indecisive and wavering. I mean, there, there's a surety of the Spirit that will come in that you know that you know. And Lord, I'm asking for a fresh release of the prophetic. Lord, I'm asking for re relationship with prophetic people. Lord, that you would raise one up within his own midst. Lord, a cohort. cohort. John Kilpatrick said one time, he said, if you can find just one to stand with you, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. And so, Lord, I'm asking, grant it to them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hands up. Father, I thank you for these people. Lord, we thank you for the house called Heartland. This open heaven. Just keep your eyes closed and keep your hands raised. I want to share very quickly. When the Lord spoke what I read to you, what I saw was this huge cylindrical carving that was bigger than our sanctuary. And it was like we lived in a granite mountain embedded, but there had been this huge cylindrical chasm, this tunnel that went straight up into heaven as far as the eye could see. Something's been drilled. And Heartland, realize who you are. Receive who you are and use it the way God intended. Realize, have an awareness when you come in here. Don't be like Jacob who said, this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God, but I knew it not. From this day forth, know it, own it, step in here and leverage it. God's granted it to us for his purposes it's for this hour that God has established what he's done in this church. And so, Lord, I kept seeing this picture this morning. And so when Drew came up and said what he said, I just, I was overwhelmed once again. I kept feeling like, okay, Lord, we can climb on the altar, but it's insufficient. Our weak little surrender, we can climb up on the altar and lay ourselves out. But without your fire, it means nothing. So Lord, we're asking, send your fire on the altar of our sacrifice. Lord, the blood of goats and bulls, tithes and offerings, other things are insufficient. You want us. You want us, Lord. So Lord, I'm asking you, give us grace to climb on the altar and send your fire. And Lord, we promise we will steward it according to your desire. This next move will be stewarded to send them to the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. It is, I, I just, I love you guys. I, it's such a pleasure to be your pastor. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.